Okay, I'm ready. (laughs) The viral video platform TikTok will be hosting its own fashion month online with runway shows featuring luxury collections from brands like Saint Laurent and Louis Vuitton. Is that faux or fashion? Hey, I'm Michaela Bloomfield, and this is the Fashion League Podcast. For the month of December, you can save 40% off your Rent the Runway 8 or 16 item plan. If you're hopping into a virtual New Year's Eve party or in the mood for a festive look this holiday season, gift yourself a Rent the Runway membership. Plus, Rent the Runway handles all the laundry and dry cleaning. All you do is pop your pieces back into the reusable garment bag that comes with your packaging and use the prepaid FedEx label. Easy peasy. Use our promo code RTRFashionly to save 40% off two months of your Rent the Runway membership. That's RTR Fashion League with a G or Fashion League like the podcast you're listening to. Okay. All right, let's go. On this episode of the Fashion League podcast, I had the pleasure of speaking with brand builder and entrepreneur Kay Sides. Kay is the CEO and founder of Hat Showroom with offices in New York City, Los Angeles, and Dallas, Texas. She was the brand strategist behind the revitalization of Lacoste for the U.S. market and also helped with the debut of Alexander McQueen's Diffusion line in the United States. And she's also been assisting James Pierce with design direction and strategy since 2005. We talked about her childhood, growing up in Hawaii, and running the North American accessories business for Chanel, and of course, starting her own businesses. So let's dive into this conversation Kay and I had back in September during New York Fashion Week. Hi, Kay. How are you doing? Hey, great. How about you? (laughs) I'm doing all right. Where are you calling from? I am calling from Los Angeles. Los Angeles. And are you affected by the fires at all? Or what's going on this morning? Yeah, I'm thankfully, you know, we live out at the beach, but obviously, so, so impacted, you know, and, and just what's going on with the state. And I was sharing with you a little bit earlier of just you know, the sky is, it's completely white everywhere here. And just the magnitude, I think, for all of us here, and obviously not just for the state of California, but so many other states that, you know, are impacted with so many people and animals and the environment. So yeah, really just, you know, a lot of prayers, a lot of heart space. I'm in New York where we were kind of the epicenter for COVID and just looking at the images over there, where it kind of looks like another planet, sort of. It looks like images from Mars where the sky is kind of red. It's like this hazy, unreal moment. So definitely prayers up to everyone. Prayers up, indeed. To kind of switch gears, you just want to talk about you and your career. So let's start. Where did you grow up? So very, very blessed to grow up in the middle of the Pacific Ocean in Honolulu, Hawaii. Oh, nice. Yeah, I had a you know amazing, amazing childhood and upbringing there. Spent over ninety five percent of my time outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> what were like some of your favorite activities growing up? You know, still to this day, it's like surfing, hiking, 
snorkeling, running, biking, camping, fishing, you name it, we were getting into it. (laughs) Outdoorsy. So, so where did you go to school? Like what was? Yeah, I ended up going to school both in Hawaii and then at UCLA and at Northridge. And then I double majored in international business and in marketing. So while you were thinking about school or in school, did you know that you wanted to work in fashion? Yeah, I just always, always loved fashion as a little kid. You know, I was that little kid that would kind of like pour over Vogue and Harper's and really loved all the aspects of the storytelling of fashion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially at that time, obviously, you know, before digital, right, editorial was so huge. And and it was really all about that creation from, you know, not just the models, but the photographer, the makeup artists, the hairstylists. Somehow, even way back then, I sort of understood and recognized that each of those components played such a huge part and that they were all a brand. Each one of those significant makeup artists and creators or hairstylists were a brand in their own right. I loved all of that aspect of that whole culmination of creativity producing this incredible image. You know, it was such a powerful story that it told. It's interesting that you say that each one of the creatives working on editorials and working on production, they were their own brand. What were some of the creatives that you were looking up to at the time? I just remember, you know, I was always just so fascinated or somehow could recognize like that the consistency mm-hmm. of, you know, great photography. And it was even then just, I developed a passion of, you know, people in, from the past too. So whether it was Avedon or Scavulo or Kevin Aqua, Pat McGrath, yeah, all, all of them that just sort of were, I started to be so fascinated in, in recognizing like their work. And was that something you kind of picked up on or like, how did you grow into that? Cause I know it's, like for me personally, it wasn't something mm-hmm. that I kind of paid attention to till I started interning in fashion. I would look at magazines, but I didn't really grasp like, oh, this is Pat McGrath working on this, or this is a Richard yeah. Avedon photo. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it, honestly, I think it was, um, I have to attribute like to my parents, to my mom and dad. So I had a mm-hmm. really fascinating childhood that way. Obviously, as we just shared, like majority of my time spent outside in this beautiful idyllic like little island but my parents I think really understood that the myopic impact of living on a little island that was so idyllic so we traveled all the time and my dad at one point used to own one of the largest Asian art galleries in Hawaii so I grew up you know outside running around all this crazy stuff and then you know we had certain areas of our home that were just you know, filled with beautiful Asian antiquities. And he would spend like a lot of time or I was always really fascinated by the techniques that everything, you know, was used to be made and the historical significance, the historical time period, how I started to, you know, he would share certain aspects of workmanship or craftsmanship that were identifiable with those periods of time in history. So I think like having that brain, you know, growing up, just, I sort of just looked at things visually like that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
really, I think thanks, thanks to them both, you know, of kind of having, being able to kind of see like the macro and the micro, like all at the same time. So reflecting back on your childhood, what were some of your favorite places to travel with your family as a kid? Okay, favorite places to travel as a little kid, Japan, definitely Japan still to this day, San Francisco, we would travel to places that were cold and had snow. <laughs> Since obviously I lived in a hot, sunny, beautiful place. So Lake Tahoe and Mammoth and the East Coast, Washington, D.C. was a favorite place too. Just I loved all the historical things. So when yeah. did you move to L.A.? Moved to L.A. for to finish up school and then ended up going back to Hawaii for the summer. I finished school early because I was so sort of like always had, you know, big fire in my, within myself and a big drive. So was on my way to graduate school to get my MBA and a friend, you know, suggested that I, you know, apply and get a job at Chanel. At that time, it was one of the few luxury houses that were there and just doing, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of business. It was so astronomical. I think it was just second to the Rue Cambon store in Paris. And so it was sort of like, take everything you learned and just toss it out the window because none of it was applicable. You know, it was just on a completely different stratosphere. So was there for the summer, had really an extraordinary experience. And then before I left, the vice president had, you know, said, Hey, why don't you stay and get into management? And, you know, I was so young. I think I was like 20 or not even 20. So flipped a coin and I was like, okay, cool. And then from there, somehow just so fortunate, ended up getting an opportunity to work for the corporate side where I helped to run all of the accessory business for North America. So at that time, because all of the freestanding boutiques were yet all over the country, and you probably remember this too, there was a lot of the in-store boutiques, like in Neiman Marcus, in you know the department stores, and that they were having issues of figuring out how to create that same consistent experience for the consumer, whether they were in that beautiful freestanding world of store or in a freestanding boutique that was in a department store. And there was really no guidance. It was literally like one of those things that was like, here's a box of supplies and go for it. (laughs) And I just went for it, you know, and I, I drove all around the country to learn about what was going on on oh, Saks too. It was like Saks, Neiman Marcus. Yeah. So I traveled all around and I just started seeing and learning and figuring out and creating these sort of like data reports of like, what were some of the ways that we could, you know, improve and create consistency. So then, you know, help to create like a merchandising standards program, this really extensive training program. Yeah, it was it was really an extraordinary experience. And then from there, because I was spending so much time in the department stores and with all of the buyers, and I obviously knew their business a lot of times just as well as they did, then I got asked by the ready to wear or the couture, you know, teams if I could also work with them 
in Paris and in New York. So then I would do the sales campaigns for both accessories and ready to wear, which were really amazing. And then simultaneously, it was that period of time that all the freestanding boutiques exploded throughout the country. So then I helped to like, I did all the training, I did all the merchandising, I did all just helped to set up the boutique. So really extraordinary experience. Then just sort of wanted to have a different type of experience. And sort of after that, it was kind of like, okay, what's next? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I kind of had like the pinnacle, like amazing job. And there is something also in myself. And I think probably because of my age that as grateful as I was to have all of these experiences, I just didn't kind of see myself staying and rising in the corporate ladder, you know, if that makes sense. Right. Um, originally, yeah. right. You were yeah. planning to get your MBA. So you kind of changed direction when you started working with Chanel and then eventually working with department stores. And what do you feel like kind of changed the direction of what you were going to do with your career? I think just, yeah, you know, opportunity and being open. And, you know, I was just really pretty, like, fearless about it to be like, okay, great. Yeah. I'm going to go for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, you know, knew that I wanted to be in fashion. So I didn't really think about it very much, to be honest, at that time and age in my life. So, so but then what did you yeah, decide was your next step? I think that it was such a fascinating experience because I don't know, you know, how much you know about the company to this day or the brand, but such an incredible company that's still obviously family owned. Mm -hmm. So to just see like the vertical integration, you know, at its finest back then was just extraordinary. And at the same time, you know, I think it was such a well thought every single successive step that there was something that I really wanted to explore sort of about more of the initial sort of creative process of like craft, you know, because it was such a big, well-oiled machine. So from there, I was just so very fortunate to have an opportunity to be the creative director and buyer at Maxfield, where I oversaw men, women's, and then private label. And that was just honestly, probably one of the most extraordinary experiences of my life. You know, it it was such a visual journey. And I think it was there that I was, I mean, I remember being at my first Yoji show and it was like in this deserted train station, like way outside of Paris and, you know, just like having this moment that was so emotional. And I'm so happy that I got to experience fashion at that time, which was much less pressure in terms of commerce Mm -hmm. and much more, you know, I think flexibility about craft, you know, and just being like, okay, like this is, this is why I got into why I love fashion, you know, like this is what is like truthful for me. So yeah, that was just an extraordinary period of time. (laughs) (laughs) So when did you pivot into entrepreneurship? You know, so I, really been, I've only had three jobs my whole life, including owning Hatch. So from Maxfield, I ended up getting pregnant and having my daughter. And the only goal that I had at that time was to be able to own my own time a little bit more. Mm -hmm. 
and obviously really rigorous travel schedule. And especially then too, you know, we'd be in, I'd be in Europe like over a month at a time, you know, every few couple months or every few months. And Tommy Purse, you know, too, I just adore, have so much respect for still to this day, you know, so amazing to me and so great to me. And he was like, look, we'll figure it out, you know, whatever support that you need. And, but I was just like, you know, I, I ended up getting this just by chance opportunity to kind of open an agency (laughs) that I obviously at that time didn't really know anything about, but you know, I, I was, I really sort of saw like this contemporary moment that was going to start to happen, you know? You kind of discount yourself when you say you didn't know anything about, because it sounds like all of these experiences have been leading you to identifying moments, like seeing what you saw opening in the market to do what you did, right? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. And obviously really understood, you know, both wholesale and retail since I was so entrenched in both worlds. And I think I was inherently sort of understood and then collectively through all those professional experiences, really understood what it took to really build a great sustaining brand. So, you know, that's how Hatch happened. So what's Hatch? Tell us about Hatch. So Hatch is one of the only dimensional multi-line agencies in the U.S. So we have really beautiful agencies in L.A., New York, and in Dallas. And now this will make a ton of sense to you after hearing my background. But from the start, we were always so diversified. So it's not that we just, you know, help to build and create brands in women's and men's, but always extremely strong in accessories, jewelry and footwear. And, and I, I also really from the start, like always just had a much more modern way of looking at the way women shopped Mm -hmm. or creating those opportunities for women. I really never believed like in the, that people should dress like just in one dimension or one way, like, you know, I always felt like women have such dimensional, amazing like lives and have to wear like a million hats that there should be that type of option. And personally, I always find it to be so much more interesting. I think we were doing sort of, or offering like high, low before high, low (laughs) became a thing. When you talk about the multidimensionality of uh, women and how they dress, don't you feel like currently everyone's kind of dressing the same? Everyone's kind of, there's a lot of sameness or is that just me? (laughs) Absolutely. Right. But it's been, I mean, this year has sort of, I think we're, we are restricted in that way, Mm -hmm. you know, or maybe I also like to look at it. I don't know about, you know, necessarily dressing the same, but maybe it's also afforded people to look at simplifying in some ways too, which is kind of a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. So that's how Hatch started and really, really blessed to just, you know, we had this amazing roster of brands that we started with. So at that time we started with Rick Owens, we had Lacoste, we got asked to sort of reinvent like women's Lacoste, like for the market, because it was just predominantly men's. Henry Duarte, Lena Wald, had some really amazing Tatiana Deli. And I always just found it to be like more interesting to have this really diverse like matrix of products. Like I love that it was, you know, 
rip next to Lacoste, next to mm-hmm. <laughs> Henry Duarte, like cut work jeans next to, you know, and that's sort of how hat started. It really just, it, it was just that one singular goal that I had to own my own time a little bit more. It, it was not like, oh, I want to create this big, you know, like agency space and A, B, and C and all these, you know, agencies all over. That was it. And then it just sort of organically, you know, expanded and mushroomed over time. I mean, we definitely went for it and we're very strategic about it. But again, to your point, that's just sort of always been the way that, you know, my brain works and then my successive supportive professional experience. You've had a lot of successes with Hatch, but what was one of the most challenging aspects of going out and starting your own thing? Oh gosh, probably learning for me that as much as, you know, I saw the potential in a brand or sometimes even in like an employee that I couldn't want it more for someone than they, them, than themselves. Hmm. And that took me time and maturity, you know, to, to kind of understand that, that really sort of, you know, getting that whole expansive picture of like, look, even if I do see this and all these ideas for the brand to grow this way, that we're only one side of the partnership, you know? So it's kind of like everything or even as as many opportunities that, you know, we can try to create within our agency that, you know, it does each person and respectfully so, right? Like sometimes it's just not the right time, maybe not that same goal that people have and how to sort of like work, work through that in a positive way. Probably I think that was one of the, something that it took me a while, you know, Mm. because I was so young and excited about everything. (laughs) (laughs) And in that, and of course, kind of makes it good and easy. It's like, it's kind of, you have no restrictions. You have, your mind is free to not be constrained by what's had, what's happened before. Yeah, totally. You're just charging it, mm-hmm. you know, to be honest. So I think those are the things that just really with time and wisdom and, and honestly maturity, you know, where you're like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, like not everyone is operating like on this, on this way or this level or this even level of energy and that, and it's all okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also all okay. But that also took me time to then figure out like, how do you grow like your team and how do you really create that optimal environment that, you know, which to be honest, it's it's the thing I'm most proud about today, but like everything that's amazing, like that took time. And I think all of it, because, you know, I really believe in like complete accountability is, is that's my, my journey and my accountability. Cause I, I obviously had to take time, you know, to become, and grow into the leader that I wanted to be, the woman that I I kept striving to be. And in that process, you know, you hit some bumps for sure. So the Hatch Showroom, what are the main business functions that you take care of? Is it business development, brand development rather? And what else? Yeah, that for sure. And then we create, we're very, we operate like very strategically. So we integrate a whole sales marketing and distribution strategy for all the brands that we are developing and growing. And then we control and manage all of the sales marketing and distribution for all of the projects. So it's a lot, never a dull moment. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so with that, what made you launch your own brand, Rome? Yeah. So Rome started a couple years ago and it was really just created out of a genuine and truthful need and void in the market. So again, we'll all, all sort of culminate for you and come together. But I was always on the hunt, you know, for a fashionable, cool, really supportive, casual footwear option, like for my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And at that time it was always either like one or two, you know, one end of the spectrum or the other. So either had like, you know, Adidas shower slides, which are awesome, or Burks, another amazing, or Celine renditions of, you know, a casual Birkenstock or something like that. So it was either this end or $700. And for my feet, like neither one of them were very comfortable or supportive, neither option. So I just decided to create one you know, where I'm like, look, I, you know, I know, I also know so many incredible women that lead very dimensional lives. So I was really motivated to sort of be part of the solution for them as well. And it was a high bar. You know, I wanted something obviously with my background in luxury that ought to be really meticulous and really well-made, really thoughtful, a lot of beautiful details, fashionable, cool, sporty, and something that women could wear everywhere. So whether it was walking your dog, dropping your kids off at school, you know, back and forth to a workout, going to get coffee, going out to eat, then going straight to a meeting, traveling with them. You know, I, I wanted that, all of it. And I wanted something that was really going to be inclusive, whether it was for, you know, cool tween to, you know, a grandmother, you know, or, that contemporary customer to a luxury customer. So that's how it started. And, you know, we just, I didn't know anything obviously about footwear manufacturing, but I just, you know, I I knew sort of what I wanted to create and wanted to create consciously and just began, you know, step-by-step, like really small. And we figured out, we started with a custom molded footbed. So the shoes are incredibly comfortable, but yet at the same time, very supportive because as we all know, you know, one of the wearing flat shoes, sometimes they're so amazing right when you put them on, but by the end of the day that your feet are sore because there's not a lot of support. I'm a, I'm a runner too. So all of that was really important to me. And then each of the footbeds are wrapped in neoprene for breathability and wicking. And then we sort of figured out this really innovative technique of adding memory foam into the uppers so the the shoes really sort of form and mold to your feet. And it also creates like a flop-free fit, you know, so they don't like flop off your feet when you walk. And then they all have a recycled flex tread, which are, they're super durable and at the same time, like really comfortable. So yeah, it's been such an amazing, you know, learning journey. So what has been a moment working on Rome that you've been like, this is why I'm doing this? I really love, and I try purposely to always create this in my life of like, where there's some area in my life that I'm, I'm just learning where I'm just a beginner or a no, or I'm floundering mm-hmm. even <laughs> oftentimes. And I love that. I love having that perspective, you know, always of just being like, okay, maybe in these areas of your life, you're, you know, super comfortable and 
and then in this other area, it's just, it's a, it's a whole new thing. Like for my own self, personally, it really helps me to stay really invigorated and, and refreshed and inspired and a much more expansive perspective. So I'm so thankful, I have to tell you, to Rome because every step of the way, continuingly, obviously to this day, it's still such a new brand, has afforded me that opportunity. And I've really, really have just leaned into that. You know, I, I love learning. I love being a student. So it's just, it's this continuous like magical gift of just like discovery and learning and, you know, making progress, like little steps of progress that you're like, Oh, that's so cool. You know, like, right. Amazing. Wow. You know? Yeah. You're doing which, it for the which, challenge. You're doing it for the personal development. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, those are the things I feel that when it's aligned with your own self truthfully, mm-hmm. you know, and honestly, it just, it feels so great you know, every day, of course, it's just tons of work and time and energy and effort as is everything if you want to do something well, but it's always just with such gratitude that I, I have it, you know, constantly, because it's sort of that alignment is really, is really truthful. Are you ready to play faux or fashion? Okay, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) You I don't love have this, any questions. Okay. Well, you, you're you're familiar. So, faux or fashion is an easy trivia game. I'm going to give you three fashion headlines, three fashion stories. You're going to tell me whether it's a real fashion headline or a faux fashion headline. Faux or fashion. Ready for okay. your first question? Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> the viral video platform TikTok will be hosting its own fashion month online with runway shows featuring luxury collections from brands like Saint Laurent and Louis Vuitton. Is that faux or fashion? Faux. That is real fashion. <laughs> really? Wow. Yes. yes. So I'll read a statement from TikTok. Yeah, I was going to say, when did that come out? Wow. Yeah. So it'll be going on until October 8th, but I think they had their first show last night. So they have like TikTok creators leading styling sessions. And then J.W. Anderson is going to show a collection debut their collection and i said saint laurent is going to be showing a collection but i think vuitton is still on the schedule in paris so they're still going to do their regular show in paris but they're also going to do the tiktok brand partnership so it's really cool you guys (laughs) are you on tiktok you're not on tiktok rome's on tiktok i just started rome being on tiktok yeah i i I think it's amazing wow okay cool Mm -hmm. that's great thank you for letting me know i'm gonna watch (laughs) (laughs) okay did you see did you see the show last night or not yet no i didn't watch it okay okay i was getting ready for this episode (laughs) (laughs) you're so cute okay so your second question the council of fashion designers of america recently announced that they will have a hologram of carl lagerfeld presiding over the opening of new york fashion week tomorrow to bring that parisian je ne sais quoi to the digital shows is that faux or fashion faux yeah that's fake i made that up (laughs) 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 what gave it away I tried to bring in the tech and the TikTok to just throw you off. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You got one. <laughs> so this, you got to win this one. This is the last okay. question. Okay. Okay. Prima ballerina Misty Copeland recently showed off her Upper West Side apartment in a tour with Architectural Digest magazine. And in the interview with AD, she says her favorite place in her apartment is her dressing room, which is inspired by the closet of Mariah Carey that Mariah showed off in the TV show Cribs. Is this faux or fashion? Fashion. Yes. I tried to throw the ballerina in there because I know that you were a ballerina. So I was like, chill. Okay. But that's it. You win. So <laughs> oh, yay! Yes, you, you, you get claps from me. I'm snapping because I'm holding a laptop up. Yes. It's like my uh, laptop is overheating. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank well, you. Yes. Thank you so much. This You're amazing. So I love this whole platform that you've created. It's awesome. Oh, thank you. Well, you enjoy this Saturday and that's it. Look at you hanging out after the beat. Okay, so now that we're friends, go tell a friend to subscribe to the Fashion League Podcast. You know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you're listening to this right now. And since you obviously had a good time with us, you should definitely write us a review. You know, don't be selfish. Tell other people about the show you like. Thank you.